Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the best logistics team you never heard of with my friend Matt Shearer. How's it going, Matt? Hey, Joe. So good to join you this morning. Yes, yes, yes. I'm excited. Happy for this Flag topic. Day to you, by the way. Can I put it? Today is happy. It's today's Flag Day, and it's also the birth of the U.S. Army. Happy birthday to all my Army brethren. Right. Based on marching along. <laughs> yeah, it's but this probably won't publish today. That's the problem. So okay. I hope, well, I just, I hope like to... on the twentieth, you guys are thinking back. Boy, I love Flag Day six days ago. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I was, I was just going to say hey, it's good to talk to you, Joe, and, and it's fantastic to be with you this morning. Thank you, thank you. So, um, Matt, please introduce yourself and your company. I'm Matt Scher. I'm uh, I'm a retired Air Force Public Affairs guy. I retired 24 years ago. Uh, went back to school. Formed my own company. My company, Scher Communications, works in public relations, and now is also working in LinkedIn. I've been coaching people on LinkedIn for more than 10 years. Uh, I've developed better strategies for the years, and, and I, today I think LinkedIn can be the greatest tool in the world to help people communicate their expertise and talents to each other. Yep. And I'm so a, I love LinkedIn. So through LinkedIn, we formed this group called the Military Transition Roundtable, which is a nonprofit aimed at helping military professionals and guys in the logistics community understand the path towards becoming successful once they leave the military. Excellent. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about you, Matt. Where where, where were you born? Where were you raised? Where where'd you go to school? I heard you mention military, so I know you were there. Tell us a little bit about uh, Matt so before. I grew, up in, I grew up in central Illinois. I lived there. I went to school. I found out that I didn't want to be a elementary school teacher, so I joined the Air Force for four years, and four years became 20. Uh, I've traveled all over. <laughs> the U.S. and overseas. I was in Italy. I was in Germany. I was in Guam, which is technically U.S. territory, but it's a foreign kind of place. Um, I spent six lovely years at Lowry Air Force Base, where I was a chief of community relations in there. In Denver, Colorado. I love Denver. I I spent six years in Denver. They had a, I literally, I had to be pried out of there. I liked it so much, but then I went to Naples and then I retired in San Antonio. So, I had a real Naples, Florida, Naples, or Naples, Italy, uh, Italia. So I was dealing with all my uh, very all nice my NATO allies: Turkey, Greece, Italy, Brits, uh, Germans. Uh, my favorite, of course, are the Canadians. Oh, that's Canadians, if you got to be in a foxhole of people shooting bullets at you, want a Canadian next to you. <laughs> well, I'm next to Canada sure, anyway. So I'm, in, I'm in Michigan. Yeah, were, I'm, yeah. I'm an hour away. <laughs> so, so, um. So what did you do when you left I the military? I tried to do some logistics and recognized I didn't have a degree, so I went back and got my degree in marketing at the University of Texas at San Antonio in 2004. And, very and nice, like you were very nice. Earlier, I worked my way through school. I worked for the local newspaper as a volleyball writer. I was an assistant producer for one of the local news stations, and I also taught alcohol liability classes so that people would not over people. That, those were the three things. That was my three sources of income along with my retirement 
and my VA benefits. Damn, you've done a little bit of everything there, Matt. But I knew, but you know, <laughs> Joe, I knew after all that what I. Hey, turn off that phone. <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, sorry about that. Oh, trust me, it, I, I do I it all the time. So, I <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I did that. You know, I, I worked my way through school, and uh, I would see my wife Sunday at church, and that was about it. The rest of the time, I was either taking working or or or, or studying. It's like I would, you know, I have an hour I'm gonna study. Got forty five minutes. I'm gonna work on the yeah. report, right? Whatever I need to do to grab. Oh yeah, you know? I did that. I did that night school thing. It's no fun. But anyway, that brings us to our topic today. So the best logistics team you never heard of, and I know you've heard of them. <laughs> so the who are they? The you know, there are people that are professional logisticians, and they manage lots of unique resources all over the world. I was, As I was thinking about our interview today, I was thinking of a couple of people that I've met through the Military Transition Roundtable, and one of them is a guy I will call him Michael B., Michael B. was a first sergeant of logistics organizations, and Michael was in Afghanistan. And one of his challenges was getting water to his troops at their warehouses there in the middle of Afghanistan. And so he looked at the problem and saw that the water was coming off of the ship. And from the ship, it was transported on big trucks to a warehouse. And in between the ship and the warehouse, you also had to pass through the Badlands, and you had to pay tariffs, and you had people that were putting bombs in the middle of the road and all that. And so Michael goes, I think there's a better way to do this. And the way was that he found a bottling plant in, you know, two miles away. He went and inspected it, and he looked at the processes. He had his, you know, his food services guys looking at, wow, we have this right in our own backyard. Yep. And so he saved the military thousands of dollars and that was all through initiative you know that's something that right right well that bring, that brings us to these points so i mean we're talking about the military i think most people will look at it think the military either invented logistics or uh perfected modern logistics and and i think this is you know and then we'll get we're going to talk a little bit about the transition that that these guys are making and everybody's looking for good employees now everybody people to manage warehouses docks uh we need drivers we we need people in office with there's everybody needs heads right now and these are great heads and they come from a non-traditional background everybody's used to saying oh we went to campus and we started interviewing a whole bunch of 22 year olds or for the entry level and for the mid-level, we know what we want them to look like. And I think this is where military guys get missed. And they are invaluable because the logistics they're doing, the nature of it is you're getting shot at. You're getting, you know, the, the, we, we complain about last minute. We deal with it. That's, our, that's the nature of our work. So when somebody says, hey, I don't need 100 pallets. I need 40 pallets and the other 60 go here. We make that happen. That's that's every day in military logistics and our our logistics and transportation always important usually it's not life and death uh, thank goodness and usually we're not getting shot at thank goodness in the military it is life and death whether it's supporting uh people who are with guns who are fighting or humanitarian work which they increasingly do it's a it's a it's a different it's a different level. They're at the next level logistics wise. The work they're doing. I think you're so right, Joe, because I've worked with a lot of uh, 
people that are logistics experts. Uh, one of them is a guy named uh, Javon. Javon was dealing with his logistics experts, and he found, you know, that the the smartest and the best uh, logistics guys were usually like an E5, which is a mid-level enlisted guy. They had to have higher ranking people above him. But how did he support them so that they could do their job? How could they manage in times of crisis? How could they manage when they had a humanitarian mission and they had to move pallets of water and food sources and people quickly? And, you know, it's one thing to move people quickly, but you got to know where all those people are going and who got on the plane uh, and, you know, what their ETA was and all that. So this is a this is like breeding for a typical right. logistics professional. And it, it's interesting. I, I don't know what branch, nor do I care. Um, my mom is in her 80s, and she needed to get that vaccine, and uh, her friends all had a connection, and they went to the hospital, and they were given the vaccine. She, my mom said the um, military was at the hospital, and she said, we went into this place. She goes, it was like a well-oiled machine. Now, those guys probably were not planning on doing that three weeks or before, and they set that up. That is the nature of being in the military. Uh, again, it's life and death, and that's what they do. And I think when you think about, again, what they're transporting and how they're transporting it and the nature of war, they're not delivering to factories or to retail locations. They're, they're supporting somebody who's on the move, who's also getting shot at. So this is, again, the, the, the nature of military logistics and supply chain is – and really, again, the next level up. And I think that's, that, that that's great. Uh, and I think support, the reason they can do that is we've all, we've all met military guys. They have a different culture. They have different attitudes. They are used to real accountability. They are used to sacrifice. They're plain spoken. They are, I think they're driven a little harder than the rest of us. So they are used to it. <laughs> Speak to that, please. I think the biggest thing that I would say in terms of culture, you go to the one term of accountability, and that's a bigging, big point with military professional. For example, Joe, if you said you were going to have a meeting at 8 o'clock, the military guy's going to show up 10 minutes before, <laughs> and he's thinking he's late because he's only 10 minutes before that first meeting. And if you come in five, seven minutes late, he's going to get kind of ticked off at you. It's like, Joe, you know, I'm used to things being on schedule, right. on time. And I'm used to adjustments, but if this is the way the culture of the company is going to be, I'm going to have some adjustment issues. Right. And so it's, it, it seems routine to you to be five, seven minutes late. Okay. The military guy, he's got some issues with that at first. You know, something else you think about with military guy is what do I wear to work? Okay. I mean, the military gives you a pretty uniform way of, <laughs> of wearing things. Okay. In my day, it was a blue uniform or a green uniform. And, and it was pretty well defined when I wore that green uniform and it's pretty well defined when I wore that blue uniform. And it was really, when you go to work, what am I going to work, where to work today? Right. What kind of shoes should I have? I mean, these are things that military guys are going, I don't know what to do. And so that's where the, that's where the idea of having others that are mentorship shows, you know, it's a routine question. So what do you wear to work? Well, I wear this and I wear, I wear jeans, you know, clean jeans and, and these boots, and that's all I need. Okay, well, that's something that military guy needs to know because they're used to having well-defined, Right. You know, well, yeah. and I think that, you know, they'll adjust. They weren't always that way. They'll adjust to, yeah, uh, uh, I'm sure they'll adjust, but I think what's they, also. They adjust, but, but, it's, but it's something to think about. You know? Right. And you go back to the terms of accountability. 
I think if you were to hire a military logistics guy and they come into you a couple months later and say, hey, I couldn't help but notice this process was not well oiled or wasn't working pro properly, I would, first of all, they hate to bother you sometimes. Some of them, not always, but most of them. But if they thought it was important for them to talk to you about it, I'd be listening because they're usually bringing years of experience of logistics and they just want to make sure that the mission and that's a magic word in the military. The mission needs its effect. Right. So we talk about we talk about mission critical in the um, civilian world, but we didn't invent the term. No. <laughs> mission <laughs> mission critical was no, developed by the military. So military, yes. And 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 when we say mission critical, sometimes you go, well, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's a nice to have if we want to get that done, but no one's dying if it doesn't happen. And again, th that's the nature of these guys are coming. And I do think we've all experienced this with friends or family members or just kid down the street who goes to the military kind of, you know, slouching, maybe a little uh, not directed. And then next time you see them, they're like, yes, sir. No, sir. And they're standing up straight. And there is a different demeanor to those people when they've had that military training. And I, I think there's um, a confidence that, that we all want to see in our employees, that we all want to see in our team members. And um, I think there's a plain spokenness that I've noticed among military people. They don't, they don't dance around <laughs> with words. Um, no, which is no. what we all need. We need. Well, I can dance around because I'm a podcaster. But when you're talking about supply chain and logistics, people, I want all the traits that I see in the military. These are the things I want to see. I want that can-do attitude. I want that culture that they came from uh, transported over to my place. We all hear companies say we're developing a great culture. Well, many of the things that the military guys learned. Uh, about culture is you know accountability sacrifice ingenuity you kind of touched on uh teamwork i mean no one knows more about teamwork than military guys and i'll also say this this is my understanding from talking to lots of military guys lately is you're expected to be a great team member until it's your job to step up and be the leader they are used to being handed off you're the leader now lead this project that's what we all want that's what we should all be looking for so, Joe, I want to tell you a story. It brings up an experience I had Saturday. So I'm working with a company called Grunt Style, and they were doing a... a Grunt Style? Grunt Style. That's the name of the company, <laughs> Grunt Style. And, the company, would... and their foundation was, was putting together a program to pass out food to lower-ranking airmen that don't have enough means to pay for all their groceries. So there were 40 folks from the National Guard, along with five volunteers with... Uh, Rotary. We're all military guys, but the military guys said, "Oh, you want to do what? Oh, let me show you. Let me show you what to do. You want to go here. You want to do this. This is how we'll get all these bags loaded." We loaded the bags. There wasn't a problem, but there was like bags, and there was food, and they wanted to put them all together in bags. It's like there were four or five people on that National Guard, and it's like, "Yeah, I think we should do it this way." And it's like, "Yep." It had no rank. It was just seeing the problem. This is what we got to do to. To fix a problem and here's how we're going to direct it and you know i'm sitting there going well they got two or three other guys doing that what can i do to help them so my job that last saturday was to pass out the water because it's 90 degrees in shade you know it's like here have some water let's stay hydrated so those are the things where you see the problem and people are leaders like okay he's got it what can i do to support the mission and so that's 
that's a natural trait for most military guys. It's like, okay, there's a problem. Let's let's work together as a team. And there was a, it was like a line of people, like opening boxes, putting the food in, and it just passes like a chain. It's like right. Typical, <laughs> it's typical military, you know. It, it's a natural thing. You don't have to tell them what to do. They know they've been trained to work together. As a right. Team. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, I, I don't want this to be at all. Um, you know, I'll, I'll watch my words here, but I'll say it anyway. So uh, I've seen like on college campuses now where a lot of times they talk about uh, safe spaces and, uh, you know, all sorts of therapy happening for, you know, and I'm not against therapy, but I, I don't think you need therapy because of um, uh, you got a bad grade. <laughs> and uh, you hear a lot about like helicopter parents. And, and by the way, I don't like when somebody says baby boomers versus millennials versus Gen X. I think all that stuff is just nonsense talk. But we do have, I think, in the college campuses, sometimes we aren't pushing out uh, kids who are uh, who are ready. And I think the military still pushes out people who are ready. They are not. They are not looking for a safe space. They are creating the safe space. So um, the they they this can-do culture is really something we should all be chasing down. And yet, I do know most probably military guys do just fine with this transition. But that but but getting back to a little bit about your transition roundtable, I know some guys have struggled with the transition. Why are they struggling? There's two reasons, Joe. First and foremost. The military guy is totally dedicated to the mission, his mission, his or her mission. And the idea of giving up that mission to take care of themselves is kind of a foreign concept. So what we've done through the military transition roundtable is say, look, it's okay to carve a little time every day to be successful in your transition. And we give examples of people who have done that. So one of our shining examples is a guy named Jeff Carter. Jeff was the former mayor executive agent base commander i like to call it base commander he says executive agent but jeff you were the you were the mayor of randolph air force base which is a beautiful <laughs> base by the way and you're where's that all at? The, it's in san antonio very it's nice the, you know if you, you the movie wings was was uh shot there in the 30s you know where they're talking about the early days of the air force aviation so we fly around the Taj Mahal. that's was jeff one jeff oh, Jobs was dealing with that howard hughes made all, that movie right yep and then the second, and the second part of, of Jeff's job was to be in charge of all security forces, so the guard and protected uh, three to four military installations in San Antonio. So that was two of his jobs. Then COVID hit, right? But the good thing for Jeff, and we, and Jeff will tell you this story, and we've had it on a, one of our videos. But we would say, look, I started two years. I knew that the end was coming. He saw that the end was coming. He knew he had a robust mission, but he still made time for himself. Right. To take care of his transition. So we see some people do that. We see some people wait after the fact to do that. And we work with them as well. But it's the idea that if the average military guy could start planning two years out, that's great. I got contacted by someone who knows one of the people I work with and says, I'm going to re retire in four years. Is that true? He says, no, 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 no. <laughs> four years is not too early to start to start thinking about your process. Right. No, no. So they don't. So they first off, they they don't necessarily plan that that next step, and it is a big step. And what's interesting is, I think also, and we talked about this when we were prepping. Um, you and I both went to night school. So when you go to night school, you might graduate, you know, in your thirties rather than in your twenties. Uh, 
And and I think there's a lot of uh, companies that say, well, you know, when we're looking for entry level people, we go to the colleges, the same colleges that we all graduated from, and we go and we recruit 22 and 23 year old young people. Um, and I think then when you look for somebody who's 35 or 40 in that next part of their career, you say, I'm looking for the following things. And I think this is the challenge. They don't necessarily fit that nice, uh, you're not that entry level for sure. And you're also not that mid-career guy that they the, would be the first choice. And I think, because they probably don't understand everything that you know somebody who was in the business from 22 on would understand, but they understand other things. And again, I think, uh, being that non-traditional guy or gal, you don't get recruited the same. And again, I can say it for myself. Uh, when you go to night school, you you gain a lot of things. You, you're a lot tougher than a lot of other people after you've lived through that. Oh, yes, you are. <laughs> you're oh, a yes, time you manager. <laughs> Big time. And um, so I think they're non-traditional. And I think you mentioned also there's a cultural shift. So sometimes these guys are going from a, a, an extremely high-level job that ex- demands excellence to maybe a little lack, little more lackadaisical approach to uh, the world that we civilians have. Again, it's not life and death usually. And uh, I think you also told me, <laughs> he's called it the, the Christian way of saying it, the, sometimes the military bureaucracy doesn't help with the transition. Yes, you know, when you talk to some people in the military transition program, they're very proud of the accountability piece that they talk about, that everybody's had the briefing, right, or, or, or signed off on that. But, you know, just because you had the briefing doesn't mean that you really gave them the knowledge they needed to be successful. Right. And, and I always question when you're spending, in one branch of service, spending half a billion dollars on paying, on payments made to unemployment agencies, you know, tech, workforce solution comes to mind here in Texas, per that military professional leaves the military and doesn't have the means to find a job. And it's like, hmm, okay. That, I'll get off my, I'll get off my podium, but if I was given a couple minutes with Joe, President Biden, I would say, Mr. President, you have this organization, Department of Labor doing this, they're, they're doing a lowest source contract, and meanwhile, on the other side of this, the, another branch of your service is paying half a billion dollars. Right. I think one of the challenges, though, is, you know, the the transportation, logistics, warehousing, e-commerce, we're all looking for heads. Everybody needs good people. And then we know there's good people over here. It's that, uh, uh, as usual, the lack of communication, lack of alignment. And I think we as, um, you know, logistics and transportation, supply chain people, we need to start looking at some of these people because they are a great resource. And again, they 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 played at a higher level. <laughs> they really have, in many cases, and um, they're you know we all want a great culture. I think military culture has a lot lot that they can teach us about having the right culture in terms of accountability and can do spirit. We all want that. So I think there's a lot of great people we could be hiring. We could do it easily. It's just we just got to have build those build those bridges to that the organizations like you mentioned the military transition roundtable or the military transition programs. For example, here in San Antonio, there's a lady named Serafina de la Santos. She runs a really great transition program. You have to be able to find those people and say, "Hey, I've got this position. Right. How can I work with your transitioning military to make them aware of it?" So 
the military transition program is set to help people find those resources, but you have to know the resources up. Right. You know, if you probably, you know, eight, 10 years ago, I was writing a lot of articles about logistics and my blog posts, and I wrote a lot about military logistics just because of the importance of it. And, sure. um, and it was a little bit about the transition. And then I started getting people calling me saying, hey, I'm, in the, I'm leaving the Navy or I'm leaving the Army or the Marines, whatever. Can you help me? And I was, I'm always willing to help anyone who says, hey, can, I, can you help me with an introduction or advice? I'm always willing to do that, and um, especially for military people. And what was weird, though, then all of a sudden I started getting calls where people said, hi, I'm calling. Uh, I just I just, uh, just got out, and I want to I want to talk to you about jobs i go well i don't have any jobs for you i mean i I can talk to you though and it's funny i got on some list apparently because people like i started getting and and when people say yeah could you send me a list of jobs i go i'm not really in that business i'm just helping (laughs) and so i somebody said you're on this list (laughs) you got on the list you know hey Joe Lynch is a guy to talk to. If you're, you know, and, and I wasn't a good thing. one, though. <laughs> no, but, but, but the point of it is is that what, what military guys need a lot of help with is that transition, that, that timeline. You know, we were talking before we started this podcast about the timeline. You know, if you said something, if something is due on the 15th of July for a military guy, he's going to have it to you on the 14th, right? And so when it comes to, like, job interviews or follow-up and all that, one of the biggest feedback things I go, well, you know, I interviewed for this job. I thought I did a really good job on the interview, and I'm not hearing back from them on the promise date. They said they'd get back to me, right. you know, on the 15th, and now here it's the 21st. It's like, what have they done wrong? And so it's a, it's a, it's a cultural thing for them to, to work through that. Right. And, again, it's just this, this really – it's really weird that we know there's great people coming out who, who've – can add a lot of value and at the same time we need people so it's it's just we got to get aligned here we just got to get connected so um matt let me summarize this and then i want to get your final thoughts on this topic then i want to learn a little bit more about the military transition roundtable a little bit more also about your day job i know you've got more than one job of course (laughs) so we're talking about the best logistics teams you never heard of and it's the it's the military, and I don't think anyone would really even debate that. I mean, these guys uh, they practically invented they might have invented logistics in general, but they do logistics that is truly life and death. They are they are not delivering to warehouses and uh, factories. They are delivering to a mobile group who's getting shot at. And if those as you said, if the beans and the bullets don't get there, there's there's horrible consequences. And again, they're not just doing war stuff. They're also doing humanitarian stuff all around the world, and we've seen it. So the military's a, a, a cut above. Secondly, they have a culture that we all should we should all emulate. And then if you're trying to build a great culture, you're trying to get great people. These are the ones. They're going to be accountable. They're going to be. Uh, they're going to use a lot of ingenuity. They're going to be plain spoken, good communicators, good leaders, good team members. And the, the next point we talked a little bit about is the transition is probably pretty good for most, probably half or most. I don't know what the right number is, but not for everybody. And there's, again, they're coming from kind of a non-traditional career path. So we miss them and we shouldn't. We need to get back. And you know what? After World War II, 
all of the workforce, all the guys were coming from here. <laughs> and it was the norm. Now it's somehow the norm is from college and college only. And we need to start rethinking that. If you need good people, these are the guys we should be looking at. And again, they, they're, they're coming from non-traditional. There's a lot of bureaucracy sometimes. Maybe there's a cultural shift that they needed to get used to that they weren't quite there yet. And so enough of my blather. I want to get final thoughts from you, Matt. What do you think about I, did I hit it? <laughs> you, you hit it. A 9.5 out of 10. <laughs> and the East German judge gave you an 8.8, .8, but the U.S. <laughs> gave you a 10. Um, I think that um, your typical logistics company needs to think about finding military talent and finding the best military talent, you know, is the process. And it's... There's a couple things I would recommend. Number one, I would find alliances with the right military organizations like Hiring Our Heroes, um, Four Block, and those, you know, organizations would be places I'd be happy to point people in the right direction. That's the first thing. Find the talent. Then, once you've hired the talent and they've become really successful, make them the mentors for the next generation of people. I'm thinking of my friend Michael Brownfield and Chad Moniz, they're, you know, they're both people that have, go, that have gone through the process with us. Uh, Chad Moniz was the commander of 11 warehouses in Fort Stewart, Georgia. He's now just accepted a position in Lubbock for Amazon for one warehouse. And, you know, if I was the folks at Amazon, I would, after Chad's been there a couple months, hey, can you be a mentor for the next generation? Because there is a cultural shift. USA does, the, the auto insurance company does that as well. But, you know, have a, have a process in place to, mentor people so that they understand how things are you know it's like a mentorship you know it's like yeah you need that you pipeline you need that pipeline but you also need to you need to help uh grease the pipeline by having people that are yeah. effective listeners that, that have been there they've got you know they understand the process and say hey well this is just like this back in your military branch okay oh okay right right so if the boss says the job's eight o'clock and he's always 10 minutes late then you get there on 8 o'clock, you're on time in the military sense of things. But you cannot accept the fact that he always comes at, eight minutes, at 10 minutes after 8. And you're not wasting 25 minutes. You're only wasting 8 minutes. So right. It's little things like that, I think. Um, I think that uh, talking to a military transition office, you know, especially in San Antonio, I'd be happy to turn you over to the right people over there. Uh, they'll be happy to talk to you about positions and opportunities within, with, you know, within, you know, your organizations, how to find that and how to how to put you in touch with people. Uh, you know, if you're really serious about it, they'll probably host you for a virtual webinar or, you know, they have job fairs, you know, where you're welcome to come. And the only charge to you is the labor and the logistical cost of getting to that event. Very so those nice. are the two things that, Very nice. that, that those are those are the those are the benefits. Um, I'm passionate about this. You know, I wrote a book called LinkedIn for Military, which helps Military guys convey their talents. Uh, from that, we saw a need to create what we call the Military Transition Roundtable. We are not the only nonprofit to help military professionals. Our, we have a very specific mission, but again, if that's not... What is that mission, What is that mission? Is just transition from military to civilian? What it does show is it creates a mastermind group of accountability. There are 8 to 10 people in five of our groups. They meet uh, every other week, and they talk about the transitional and cultural issues that they're facing when they 
move on to their next position. So a couple weeks ago, one of the things that stood out in my mind was where one of our guys who'd been on the road had an executive position. It's like, how am I going to adjust to be in a position where I can spend more time with my family? What do you suggest as a successful? And so there were like five or six people that have also had similar jobs to say, hey, this is what you need to do. Here's what we suggest. And so it's like a give and take that you don't see in a normal transition program. Mostly if you go to some of the other transition programs, they go, well, this is what you need to know about LinkedIn. This is what you need to know about your VA benefits. But there's specific things within each of those things that are unique to that person. So we actually, through the work of others, we kind of put the best practices and we share, this is what we have found in this. And then of course, when my partner, Don Cleason and I find something that we don't have the resources, we go and say, hey, Who's the research for this? Who's the person we trust? Right. To help with you guys are a good starting point. We are a good starting point. Yes, sir. So so what we'll do here, um, Matt, is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn. Any any links you give me related to your LinkedIn service. Sure. So you help. You, I know you help. Other than military guys, I know you help other people with their LinkedIn profiles. We all need help with that. And um I think with with LinkedIn, it is, I think most people in transportation and logistics are using it now. It is uh, kind of our, our home away from home. It's where we all meet. <laughs> but um, Well, and so I would, you know what I'd like to do? I know we were talking about military. I would like to have a separate conversation someday about how we do that because I definitely can see where LinkedIn can be a really great resource. And I know we're in a time now where we're looking at a hybrid approach of conferences and networking. So I, I would enjoy having a conversation with yeah, you, yeah. you know, offline. Yep. Well, yeah, so I did. I've, I've been on LinkedIn. I think at least, I think, I always think I was the first million people on it. I mean, I always felt when I got on LinkedIn, there was not one friend, one family member, one coworker, nobody. And I was like, I like the idea of it, but it'll be better if there's like a few people that I know on here. Right. <laughs> now everybody's on. But um, it's been great for me. I've I've enjoyed it. So, well, I'll put those links to your LinkedIn service, and 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 then I'll put a link to the military transition roundtable, and I'll also put a link to your LinkedIn profile, so anyone who wants to reach out to you can. And again, I, I this just seems like a no brainer that we have good people over here in the military wanting to transition out, and then on the other side, we're all looking for good people. It just seems like we just got to we just got to get these pipelines and in, and mentors and uh, connect it. So I'm hoping this helps. <laughs> I really appreciate that. And Joe, I will say this. People are listening to this podcast and they say, I want to be a mentor. So if we connect and I say, hey, so-and-so needs a mentor, it's, I'm vetted that person that they actually have a need. And whatever you can do to help those people among your listening audience, that would be great. That would be fantastic. Yep. yep. Well, thank you very much, Matt. I really appreciate you taking the time. Joe, I appreciate the opportunity to be here this morning and wish you a wonderful week. Thank you so much. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.